Hello, Rundown Nation. Welcome to the College Football Rundown. I'm Woj. And I'm Walt. we got a special guest this week. Uh, guest star on the show this week will be Michael Story. How's it going, Michael? Gentlemen, thank you for having me. Looking forward to talking some college football tonight. Dude, what are some of uh, what are some of Story's credentials, Wall? What is what was what is he known for here? It disheartens me to say it because it's obviously our league he's in, but he's one-time runner-up, two-time champion of the Scrapbook Classic, and he's only been in for maybe half the years. How long have you been in Story? Five, five years? Five, six years, something like that. Wall, uh, Woj is the one who got me in. Yeah, it's it's. It, I wish he never did because he's been dominating the league. <laughs> he's one of the best fantasy people I know. He's undefeated on the year so far, averaging 198 points a game. I mean, that's that's incredible. Came into our season as plus 200 in our pre-draft odds. You know, odds maker ha- odds makers have him as a dog two weeks from now, though. Story, what do you have to say about that? Yeah, that's going to be a tough week for me. I've got let's see here, five, six, six players on by, including two of my quarterbacks. It's going to be challenging. I got a lot of great bench players that I'm not sure I want to draft. So undefeated right now, I can afford to lose one. But uh, I've got a tough matchup this week, too. So we'll see what happens in a couple of weeks. But uh, you mentioned two-time champion. Don't forget, guys, the only two-time champion of the Scrapbook Classic. <laughs> that is true. How long have we had it for, Woj? Maybe 15 years, 16 years? Yeah, we, uh, we've we had it a long time. It's a double-keeper league. It's It's been a blast. It has been, and we're not talking about, you know, cupcakes, Woj. I know that's your word. We're talking about some players, you know. Hide your kid, hide your wives. These are people that come to play. We're talking <laughs> about real fancy football players, but Story, just since his coming into the league, has really been dominating it. Yeah, no Rutgers in our leagues, for sure. No, he's well, let's, uh, <laughs> let's get things started right off. Uh, we're going to do for the first time ever on College Football Rundown. We're going to talk about a Thursday night game. Uh, SMU at Houston, 6.30 p.m., Thursday night, ESPN. Uh, SMU, wow, they've changed that program around. Well, they're they're giving 13 and a half. It would surprise someone, Woj. They might think it was the other way around, you know. It's it's quite incredible. So, again, undefeated team here, 7-0. and Story, do you have any thoughts on this game? Yeah, I'm looking forward to this game. I think we're going to have a little bit of a shootout. I would, uh, for the gamblers out there, I'd take the over. But uh, really looking at that one-game slate on DraftKings, which I'm not too familiar with it. What's the format for that? So on a one-game DraftKings slate, I have six players. that you're, you, you have six players you can choose, or six player spots you can choose from. Uh, the salary is still 50000 but the player salaries are a little bit wonky uh, just because it's a one-game slate. Um, but you can pick anybody in those slots, even a kicker. Kickers are included. But So you can pick up six quarterbacks if you want, obviously not advised because it's just two teams playing each other, so just two quarterbacks are playing against each other. But you, for one of your picks, you get 1.5 times the points, so it's a multiplier. Who would you pick in that multiplier spot in that game? Sorry. You know, that's a good question. I think a lot of people are going to look at last week. They're going to look at the stats. They're going to see Reggie Roberson Jr. had eight receptions for 250 yards and three touchdowns. Now, that's incredible. That's an amazing performance. But the real playmaker on the SMU offense is James Prochet. He went nine for 80 in a touchdown last week, but he went 11 for 153 and two touchdowns the week before. He really is quarterback Shane Bouchelle's go-to guy. I'd slide him in there. I think you're going to be pretty happy with the result. Yeah, as long as you don't pick a kicker like uh, 
like Witherspoon from Houston for that for that, then I think we'll be okay <laughs> in the in the multiplier spot. <laughs> All right, on to our Saturday games. Big Ten matchup. Uh, a lot of a lot of undefeated Big Ten teams uh, playing this week. Uh, I think one of them might go down, but I'm not sure it's this one. We got Wisconsin six and one at Ohio State seven and zero. Eleven o'clock on Fox. I still think Ohio State's probably the best team in the nation right now. Um, but we'll see. We'll go from there. Uh, Wisconsin coming off that miserable loss last week to Illinois, where Paul Chris decided to throw the ball in the last last drive for some odd reason. But Tell us a little bit more about this game, Wall. Hey, well, I, I'm agreeing with you. Ohio State, one of the best teams in the nation. I think you said the best, but we'll probably get to the best later on in this podcast. Wisconsin plus 14, over under 50. You know, I like Wisconsin. Wisconsin lo- lost last week. Actually hurt Ohio State in this, in this instance, in my opinion, because it helps Wisconsin, you know, get a little bit of energy, get a little go, because they're pissed from losing that game last week. They really shouldn't have. You know, I'm really looking forward to this game, gents. This is a big spot for both teams. Fun fact, this game has been decided, has decided the Big Ten champion 22 times, and both schools have combined for 19 national championships. So, like I said, big spot. I really like Wisconsin as a team. My player, my guy, Jonathan Taylor, rode him to a scrapbook classic championship last year. Last week, he became just the fourth player all time to reach 5,000 rushing yards in a season in three seasons. He's incredible. OSU, though, scoring nearly 50 points a game, and their defense is the second-best scoring defense in the country behind only, guess who, Wisconsin. Going to be a, an interesting game. Yeah, the defenses in this game are, are wild. I mean, Wisconsin being number one in, in yards per game and points per game and Ohio State number two in both of those categories as well. So let me tell you, this is a scripted Big Ten matchup right there with defenses. I, I like that quite a bit. Um, when we get into DraftKings, that doesn't pan out so well, though. Um, Wisconsin, we've already talked about before, is a high time of possession team because they like to run the ball with Jonathan Taylor. Um, I just don't like anybody in this game just because – the defenses are going to be so strong. And even though Ohio State has an overpowered offense, Wisconsin's main goal in this game, I would imagine Paul Chris's main goal in this game would be to slow that down. So they're going to try again, high time of possession. They're going to limit the amount that those guys are going to get on the field, which ruins their value. No matter how many touchdowns, they, if they get you know, four touchdowns, maybe that's not enough for Justin Fields to get his full point value, but um, that's just how you know, Wisconsin that, plays. That's how that's, they're going to do it. That's tough, Woj. I'm not so sure that they can slow down Justin Fields. This guy is playing incredibly. He uh, He's truly a Heisman candidate. Not sure that you would want to start him in DraftKings, but he's not coming out of your season-long lineups, that's for sure. And I think he can still play Chris Olave in this matchup. I think he still has a chance to have a good game. So I'd keep him in your season-long lineup. I agree with you on Alave. If they're going to pass it, they're going to pass it to Alave. He's just been that guy so far this year. Um, so on to our next game. We got Illinois, who ended up beating Wisconsin. Probably saved Lovey Smith's job in my mind at three and four at Purdue, two and five, eleven o'clock in the Big Ten Network. Lovey Smith is going to lose his job this week. Illinois plus ten, over under sixty and a half. You know, I was waiting around on Sunday. Everybody else is watching the NFL. I don't waste my time with that garbage. I was waiting around for these lines to open up because I was going to jump on Purdue. 
They opened up Purdue minus seven and a half. I hit them. I hit them hard, Woj. Illinois coming off that monster win against Wisconsin last week, 24 to 23, last minute field goal. Shenanigans, Woj. Shenanigans. They played nine more times. Illinois doesn't win one of those games. This is a one in 10 occurrence. You know, this is an Illinois team that lost to Eastern Michigan. Eastern Michigan, although Eastern Michigan did win last week, that is not a good team. You know, that is not a good resume right there. Purdue, tough schedule so far. They played our boys tight last week, didn't they, Woj? They did. It was a tight game. I, I give credit to Purdue for sure. 2026 loss, but Iowa came away with the victory, thank goodness. But again, Purdue looked good. Purdue's covered five of their last six meetings in this game against Illinois with three in a row. Hey, baby, let's make it four. I'm liking Purdue in this. You know, while I agree with you to a point, I think at home, Purdue should get the passing game going well enough. They've got a great receiver in David Bell. He's filling in admirably for the injured. Guys, help me out. What's uh, Rondale Moore for the injured Rondale Moore? Bryson Hopkins is the tight end and the other receivers. I think they're going to keep Lovey Smith secondary on their heels all game. And, you know, as a lifelong Bears fan, I've had about enough of Lovey Smith. Let me tell you, <laughs> I think the Illinois is going to revert back to the Illini. We've come to know these last few years. I think they'll keep it close for a while, but not the full, the full 60 minutes. It's a letdown spot. Like you said, Wall, I think Jack Plummer has been playing well enough. Purdue gets the win and probably the cover, but at nine and a half, ten, I'm not so sure. Illinois, don't be shocked if they cover. Hey, I got to You can't tell me you don't like his beard. Come on. No. <laughs> shave it. It does look – it looks good on him. No, shave it. <laughs> All right, on to our next game, Oklahoma State at Iowa State, 2.30 uh, p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Wall's probably sick of talking about Iowa State, I'm sure. Yeah, I'll just sit here. But, Go ahead. Yeah, they are getting 10 and a half. They're giving 10 and a half. Uh, the, the line opened at 8. Um, they were only given 8. They moved up to 10 and a half. The over-under in this game is 62 and a half. And we've talked about Oklahoma State, and that's why I like bringing them up in these contests because they are an electric offense. They are fourth in the country on plays per game at 79.5. That equals good DraftKings. And the thing about it is, is Iowa State's plays per game is really low. It's in the 60, I think it's 67 Point four, I think is what it's at. Uh, but they do big plays. They've still been scoring a lot of points per game, and a lot of that has come to Brock Birdie. Um, he's the, he's good. He's he's basically the the, the poor man's version of Jalen Hurts because um, he runs the ball, he passes the ball a lot. But that's not who we're going to talk about this time. This time we're going to talk about Brees Hall, who's the freshman running back of Iowa State. Probably one of the most electric players the last few weeks. Put up 35.7 points two weeks ago against West Virginia. 43.6 points last week versus Texas Tech. Both games are on the road. He's sitting at 6,500, which is a bargain if he's going to put up those numbers again. Uh, I just don't see a problem taking him at all in this matchup. And, yeah, he might be over, over you know, owned. But if you're doing a 50-50, that is a must-have running back. And I don't care who you are. He's putting up numbers like Jonathan Taylor and Shabba Hubbard at 6,500. You got to take that. Uh, Brees Hall looks good. You know, I watched the game last week. He passes the eye test, as they say. True freshman. Last week, 19 carries for 183 yards and two touchdowns. Plus, plus, if you're in a PPR league, three receptions for 73 yards. He looks good on the field. I think I agree with you. What would you say, 6,500, Woj? 6,500. Yeah, I like it. 
My big concern about this game, though, Spencer Sanders, 7,000 on DraftKings, but he's not playing so great lately. Counted for 12 turnovers in his first Big 12 conference games versus only five touchdowns. I personally traded him away to get tra- to get Travis Etienne in one of my other college fantasy football leagues. Etienne hasn't, hasn't been lighting the world on fire, but I'm kind of glad I got Spencer Sanders off my roster. What do you think, Woj? Hey, that's really good for fantasy. But when we're talking about DFS and Oklahoma State running 79.4 plays per game, five plays per game, I really just throw that out the window because if my receiver's getting a bunch of receptions, it doesn't even matter. He's getting a point for each one of those. So I'm going to, again, we I probably jinxed this last week because I talked about him last week as well. Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma State, the wide receiver, I talked about how consistent he was. Well, he wasn't consistent last week. He had his worst matchup. Worst week of the year at 12.9 points versus Baylor. Um, you know, he did have six catches in that game, but he did have a bad week. Dropped his price down to 7,200. He was at 7,400 last week. I still kind of like him going into this game at 7,200 because I feel like they're going to be on their toes in this game. They're going to have to pass the ball. And again, this team runs 79.5 plays per game, fourth in the country. Yeah, they have Chubba Hubbard, but they still are going to have to pass it. Tylen Wallace makes a bounce back week after that bye struggle, whatever you want. Maybe he got drunk on the bye and just was a little little weak in the knees afterwards. But we're going to forget last week and we're going to put him back in. We're going to see if he can't get back to his consistent ways of getting us that value 20, 25 points per game at 7,200. You know, if you uh, think that's the way that this game is going to go, then Iowa State's going to need to throw the ball to keep up, too. So I know Brees Hall, great out of the backfield. But if you need a little value, take a look at Tariq Milton. 5,300 on DraftKings, wide receiver for Iowa State. I only He only had two for 38 a couple of weeks ago, but last week, four for 98. He's rising up that depth chart. I think he could be a good sleeper. I like it. We'll see what happens. You know, Tylen Wallace gets a lot of the targets in that in that offense, but hey, who knows? And you said Iowa State's going to have to run the throw the football to see if they can keep up with them. The implied points in this game are Iowa State 37, Oklahoma State 26. So there's going to be scores on both sides of the field. I like it, story a lot. You uh, you shouldn't be putting money on shit games like this unless you work for waste management I mean, you want to talk about a real game let's talk about auburn at lsu baby are you excited for that one Woj? Nah, that is actually on my list that that's going to be a good one i, I want to see how good auburn is and we know how good lsu is but well we'll see 2 30 p.m on cbs auburn plus 10 over under a 58 Oh, baby, LSU being talked about as the best team in the nation beginning of the season. Hey, maybe the second best team in their division in the SEC now being talked about as the best team in the nation. Urban Meyer, someone who I respect as a commentator, joined the camp this week saying he thinks they are. Key stat in this game, LSU average drive time, 2 minutes, 15 seconds. Big, quick plays. Hey, I figured that out. Gus Malzahn over there, head coach at Auburn, sixth highest paid coach in the NCAA, making around seven to eight million dollars a year. Two assistant coaches there for Auburn, making around a million dollar each. Assistants totaling six point five million dollars. You don't think they figured that out and have been planning for this game for weeks now? I think they have. My main point is here: they've probably, probably put their finger on a way to slow down this LSU offense. Maybe a combination of their offense 
slowing down the game to keep LSU off the field on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe their defense playing a little conservative, giving up short plays to prevent those big ones. But hey, they got a coaching staff. If anybody figured it out, I think they might have. Well, I'm not so sure I agree with you here. Joe Burrow has been playing just really great football. He's on the Heisman watch as well. He has 29 passing touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns to go along with it. And LSU should get receiver Terrence Marshall back this week. Not that it matters. They've got an incredible wide receiving core. Auburn's lost the last nine games at LSU. I think that this game could be a bit of a shootout. Bo Nix is only a 56% passer, but he's he has receivers as well. Um, the running games, not so sure here. I like the receivers in this game. I like the quarterbacks. And I think that LSU walks away with this game in the fourth quarter. Listen. So I get both of your aspects of this, but I'm going to lean more towards Wall on this one. Bo Nix is, is, hasn't really uh, – he's been tested by decent teams, but he's a freshman. He's struggling. You said how low his passing percentage was. They've had to run the football with uh, Jatavius Withrow, who is out, by the way. And I don't know. I, don't, I just don't see them having to rely on Bo Nix to win this game. I think I'm with Wall. they got to slow this down on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side, but more the offense. they got to find ways – to get first downs in this game. And if they do that, I think they win. Listen, I'm going to the Northwestern Iowa game. That's going to be the game on my charts that I want to watch because I'm going to be there. But if when I get done with that game or I'm going to have it on my phone, this game is on my sights because I really want to see how good LSU is, and I think Auburn has a way to win this game. Straight I like up. their coach. I like what they're doing. I like their playmaking. If they can shut down the Joe Burrow-Justin Jefferson machine, which is their two playmakers, I think they have a chance at winning this game. You're talking straight up, Wood, right? And you're not talking covering? No, I'm talking straight up winning the game. Oh, okay. Well, we're talking two different things here because I think they might cover. <laughs> hot <far>. takes. Hot <laughs> takes. Yeah. As far Listen, as if there was a team that could beat LSU and take them down, I think it's Auburn because of the way they play the football game. It's different than the teams they've played before. They, they played their Texases, and Texas ran it against them, and they did fairly well, and they scored a lot of points in that game, but they didn't slow down at all. They need to slow down on both sides of the ball like Wall talked about. That's the key stats and this that's the key keys in this game to winning the game. And I think Auburn is understands that and can do that. They're one of the only teams LSU's faced that actually can do that, even without Terry's Withrow. Because listen, in DraftKings, this is what I'm gonna do this week. We talked about Cam Martin last week. Uh, and we thought he was gonna be next in the depth chart, and he was technically. He was at forty he's at forty eight hundred this week. Did okay last week with 10 carries, 84 yards, but no TDs. And he did end up sharing carries with freshman DJ Williams, who's 3,500 on DraftKings this week. Um, I would probably expect similar results in them sharing. But, again, Auburn's implied points are 24, so I see one of them getting a touchdown. If you want to get a little risky in a tournament play, take DJ Williams at 3,500. Maybe he pops off and gets a touchdown, gets you some points, and then you can spend that points otherwhere, elsewhere. I'm with you. I'm with you there, Woj. I think that DJ Williams is going to be the guy. Uh, maybe not the rest of the season, but I think he's going to take over. Be that 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 every down back that Gus Malzahn really likes next year. You know, 11 for 48 last week, 4.4 yards per carry. Not great, but they're sharing the ball. They, they, five different running backs had a carry, at least one carry last week, as well as one wide receiver. But you're right. In a tournament, DJ Williams, he's explosive. He is the kind of back that can go off 
Uh, he can go, you know, 10 yards for 100 or 10 carries for 100 and, and a couple of touchdowns. That's your play in a, in a, mill, in a millie maker. Melzon, you have a task in your hands. We'll see if you can do it. Be a good game to watch. On to our next one, Maryland 3-4 and four at Minnesota 7-0. and oh, Another undefeated team in another Big Ten matchup. 2.30 p.m. on ESPN. Oof, this one will be sharing some screen real estate on my TV, Woj. Let me tell you, they'll be sharing it with that LSU-Auburn game. Minnesota minus 17, over under 55.5. I don't think these handicappers are up on Maryland yet. Maryland had those two big games, blew out teams beginning of the season. I don't think the handicappers have caught up yet. They might be a little high on Maryland still. Minnesota's covered every game this year but one. Hey, I'm going to throw the 17 out the window. Hey, give me 18, even 19. I I like Minnesota still. Hey, with McFarland being back this week, Story, is that going to change what Wall's talking about with the handicappers? You know, I'm not so sure. Like I said, row the boat. Uh, P.J. Uh, Fleck is doing great things up there in Minnesota. Last week, Javon Leak, he took over the backfield when Anthony McFarland wasn't able to play. 23 rushes for 158 yards and two touchdowns. Had a few receptions as well. This week, Anthony McFarland is back. Uh, so they got a couple of guys who can carry the load. I'm not so sure that that makes a difference in terms of the handicapping. I like what Wall is throwing down. I like Minnesota at minus 16 and a half, minus 17. From a fantasy perspective, Woj, how do you see this playing out? So there's a couple things. One of the biggest things is Maryland has given up 287.4 yards per per game this season in the past game. So let's look at an option on you know Minnesota's wide receivers. Ty Tyrell Thomas or Tyler Johnson, I'm sorry, at 6,300. He kind of shares the target percentage with Rashad Bateman, but Bateman isn't hauling in the targets like uh, Johnson is. So I like Johnson in this, like pushing him. We'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, I think the real prize in this game, despite Maryland's pasty, is Rodney Smith, the running back from Minnesota. Um, sitting at 6,000, he's had a TD in each of his last four games, coming off a double TD uh, in his last last game he's had over 100 yards in each of those games and sometimes well over that especially in the Illinois game where he had 211 yards hey listen Maryland's been able to give up yards both in the pass game and the run game I think he's pretty much a bargain at 6,000 I know it's expensive for a for running back and it is the Big Ten but this isn't like a Big Ten matchup so I I treat this like more of like a Pac-12 matchup and I kind of like that 6,000 mark with uh with running back Rodney Smith from Minnesota. I say fire up your fantasy players against Maryland. They've been a little hot and cold this year, as we've seen, but I think you can start Ibrahim as well, Muhammad Ibrahim. He's the other back, sharing the load with Rodney Smith. And you know what? Shannon Brooks gets carries as well. He's only 4,800 on DraftKings. If you need a little salary, salary relief, maybe throw Shannon Brooks in there in your flex in a tournament. Maybe he, he falls in the end zone. But, yeah, Tyler Johnson, Rashad Bateman, Fire up everyone in Minnesota against this Maryland defense. While Texas TCU, Lone Star State shootout. Guess what? This is one of our favorite kind of games. It's at 2.30 on Fox. You know why it's one of our favorite kind of games, Wall? Well, you don't have to tell me. I know why. Because it's basically a pick game, a one-point spread, right? That's it. That's it. I love those one-point spreads. Bring it on. And guess what? The over-under is high, so this is a DFS Showdown here as well, so I'm I'm super excited. 
Oh, yeah, 59 over under. I mean, you got to be excited about this. This is real exciting. You look at that spread, too, Texas minus one. It's kind of like, you know, you came home, there's some outback containers. You think you're getting a steak for dinner with that minus one spread. Oh, I'm taking Texas. You know, they squeaked by Kansas, though, so they got to get right game right now. TCU is two-game losing streak. Kansas State, you know, Iowa State, they lost both those. They dropped them both. But then, you know, you open that outback container and there's fish in there. Oh, keep it away from me. You look at Texas's defense. They're hurt, baby. Foster, Jones, Overshone, all safeties, all questionable for this game. Last week, they were banged up at the same position. It showed with Kansas getting 310 yards, four touchdowns in the air. I mean, this might come through in this game, too. The only real comparison, you know, head-to-head comparison we have is Kansas, actually, which I mentioned Texas played last week. They won 50 to 48, barely won. TCU smoked Kansas 51 to 14. Both were home games. TCU's covering two of five this season. One of the games was off the books, which they probably wouldn't have covered anyways. Arkansas Pine Bluff, if it was on the books, they won by 32. Probably would have been a higher spread, but Texas is covering four or seven. I don't know here, Woj. I think it's a interesting one-off games. You know, computer algorithms versus humans. The human sees this number, boom, Texas. Computer sees this number. Boom, TCU. We'll see what happens. It's a fade the public type deal. We talked about Bear talk about it on college football or uh, college football game day on ESPN. It's it's one of those things where everybody tries to jump on the the favorite there. Like you talked about, 80% of the the fan base going the money towards Texas, and and that usually doesn't pan out. What do you think about that story? You know, I wouldn't be too worried about it. I understand fading the public is usually a good strategy. But a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while, and I think that's what the public's on here. The Texas front seven can be ran on. We know that, and I expect TCU to run the ball. Darius Anderson is a heck of a running back. They're going to try to control the clock, but I don't think they'll be able to do that. Sam Ellinger in that Texas passing game, they're going to get a lead early. Texas has every opportunity to run away with this. Devin Devin DuVernay, the wide receiver for Texas, I think he's going to have a big game. TCU – doesn't have much of a passing game to worry about. And with a balanced attack, Keontae Ingram running the ball 15, 18 times. Sam Ellinger throwing the ball. I think Texas should easily win and cover this game. Not only throwing the ball, he's going to run the ball. I love Sam Ellinger in DFS. I get goo-goo eyes at his price, 7900 Everybody's looking at Jalen Hurts and, and Joe Burrow. I'm looking at Sam Ellinger in this game. He is going to pop off at 7900 I'm taking him all day, every day. He's not one, Everybody's going to be taking Jalen Hurts. Everyone's going to take Joe Burrow. I'm looking at a medium percentage owned. Sam Ellinger is going to be big. I love the over-under in this game. We'll see what happens. TCU has given up huge yards against offenses like Iowa State and SMU. Those aren't as good as Texas. Um, so I'm looking for him to, to pop off here. And let's double dip this. Let's pick a tight end. You've already said his name story. Devin Duver. He's going to be – he's a leader in the targets in the team at 28%. Uh, he's currently 7,000 on DraftKings. I'm just going to take both of them. Let's double dip it. Let's take both. I know that's expensive, so let's go the opposite way. Let's take another – a lower-end quarterback, someone that's not quite as expensive. Let's, let's take the other quarterback in this game. Max Dugan, I think they're going to be behind. They're going to have to pass the ball, especially in the second half. This is going to be the play. 
I, he's had exp explosive games in the past, and I think this again could be another one. Depends on that uh, Texas secondary, but we've seen the Texas secondary be susceptible to the other offenses this year as well, especially LSU. Anybody else you're thinking of, Story? You know, I like this game stack. I think we're all pretty excited about that game. Woj, I got to say, I really like the game stack. Why not throw in Jalen Rager? TCU wide receiver last week, 8 for 85. He's the go-to guy for Max Dugan. What's his price on DraftKings there, Woj? I think he's 5500 right now, Story. That's a pretty good salary. I think, you can, I think if you want to go in a tournament and you want to go quad stack in this game, let's do it. Hey, and there's nothing wrong with quad stacks, especially in a tournament. This is going to be a game that's going to be explosive on both sides, especially if TCU wants to stay relevant in the game. So quad stacking is not a bad option at all, especially in tournament play. And I like your pick. I like where your head's thinking. Let's go 55. Let's, let's take two cheaper guys on the opposite side of the ball that are going to have to throw the ball against a team that possibly could get the lead earlier and Sam Ellinger and that explosive Texas offense. Um, huge fan of that as well. Well, next game, let's move right on. Another one of those, Notre Dame at Michigan, 6.30 on ABC. Guess what? It's a one-point spread, Wall. <laughs> it's a one-point spread. We love those, Woj. We love them. I don't know if there's going to be any quad stacking in this game. To be honest, I don't even know what that is. But I'll tell you what, Notre Dame minus one over under 51. What that means is this is going to be an exciting game. Basically a pick em. You know as well as I do, Woj, Notre Dame's been plus one. They're now minus one. It's moving back and forth. Yeah, it's one of those things. Notre Dame, they played USC a couple weeks ago, and they gave up a lot of points to USC. But I don't see Michigan being able to be an explosive offense like USC. I think this is going to be a different kind of game because Brian Kelly's a schemer, isn't he, Wall? He's coming off of a bye. Oh, coming off of a bye, baby. Michigan had that tough battle against Penn State, whether, you know, banged them up I don't know but it definitely wasn't a bye week there's been a lot of conversation this year and I've had the conversation myself with some friends but are these bye weeks actually beneficial well I believe there's two reasons they are one they're later in the season when you're more banged up you get more time to rest two the coach determines how much it can actually help your team who's Notre Dame's coach Brian Kelly he's a good one I don't care whether you like him or not he's a good coach that's why he's at Notre Dame so I think this bye week is going to help Notre Dame. Michigan last week had to play Penn State white out at Penn State. Did you watch that game, Woj? That was a big game. I love the whiteout. I love Happy Valley, seeing that whiteout. It's fun. It's a good environment. It's a tough environment to play in for sure. It was huge. I'm sure you watched it too, right, Story? Oh, yeah. That's a fun game. That was a fun game to watch. Tough loss there for Michigan at the end. Feel real bad. For Ronnie Bell, the wide receiver who dropped that pass. But you know what's great about college football? He uh, he really felt that at the end. He had everybody consoling him, but he was really upset on the sidelines. You could see the passion. You could see the heart come through. It was a uh, it was a tough break, uh, tough for him to handle. But uh, really like seeing that kind of commitment on the college level. I don't know that it was all his fault because man, did they have to play in a tough environment at Penn State? But you know what? This week. The tides are turned. Things are being flipped. Notre Dame's got to go to the big house. They got to play on Michigan's turf at night under the lights. Michigan fans coming out to support their blue this weekend. Oh, baby, I love it. Yeah, I'm really excited about this game, too. 
you know, Michigan is Notre Dame's last ranked team on the schedule. So they get past this one, then they've got an easy schedule from here on out. You know, what's interesting, guys. Notre Dame and Michigan haven't played after September since 1943. You think with these two big programs, you'd have a game later in the season. <laughs> yeah, that's, so. a, that, that's a risk almost, especially in the current system as we're in now. Well, whoa, do you know who's uh, Michigan's biggest fan this weekend, right? Yes, I, I know who Michigan's biggest fan is this weekend, Well, The college football playoff committee, is that who you're thinking? Yeah, kicking Notre Dame out of it because they don't want to deal with it. No, they don't want to deal with it, Woj. You're completely correct. Um, as far as DFS goes in this game, guys, listen, it's in the night slate. It's the only game we're covering in the night slate so far. But listen, Notre Dame coming off a of bye week. Brian Kelly likes the scheme. I don't want to guess Brian Kelly's plans because they change all the time. I remember those games when they played against Clemson and they would do shit that you'd never see before. Like you've never seen him do these things before. So I don't want to guess, but if you were going to take anybody in this matchup at 5,500, Tony Jones Jr., the Notre Dame running back, he's a good spot. Um, like I've said, week in and week out, Michigan has struggled in the run defense. They haven't done well. I know they got blown up by the Wisconsin run defense, but listen, on every single team, they haven't done well except Iowa because Iowa didn't want to run it. Um, that being said, you know, go ahead, go ahead. I agree with I agree with you there, Woj. Notre Dame running back Tony Jones Jr. He's looking good. He's posted three straight 100-yard games. He carried the ball 25 times last week, or excuse me, against USC. I know Notre Dame struggled in spots against USC, but I like Notre Dame coming out of their bye. And you mentioned that's the only guy you'd play on this slate. Have you looked at Cole Komet? You know, he's listed as a wide receiver in DraftKings, but he's a tight end for Notre Dame. He was injured to start the year, but he's really come on since he's back. He's only 5,400 on DraftKings, and he's been playing really well. Yeah, no, he's a good pickup as well. He's, again, with with Brian Kelly, he could be anything in this game. You know, and we go back to Tony Jones Jr., he's he struggled to find the end zone. But if you're getting 20-plus carries a game, which he has been getting lately, he is going to eventually find the end zone for sure. And and like you said, you know, it all comes down to – or what I said, it all comes down to Brian Kelly and how his – how his scheme works against this coming off a of bye and how he schemes into it. But I think if Michigan ends up losing this game, I think their head coach is a bye-bye. It's very possible. You know, the, the Notre Dame defense has 14 sacks in the last three outings, and that should worry fumble-prone Shea Patterson and his coach, as you mentioned. Against ranked teams, Shea Patterson not doing so hot, completing only 53% of his passes, and he's thrown only two touchdowns versus three interceptions. I think that we could be saying goodbye to Jim Harbaugh after the end of this year if they lose to Notre Dame. Hey, listen, anything sub 50-60% completion rating is not good for DraftKings, so we're staying away from any Michigan player whatsoever. Hey, let, on the side note, just some other night, because I know we haven't covered the night slate much, we're going to talk about some other guys. Devontae Smith, we've talked about many times in this show before, Alabama receivers at or around 6,000. Listen, he's at 6,500 going into this week. He had that terrible week last week because he had that suspension in the first half. Even with Tula out of the lineup story, I'm taking Devontae Smith because I feel like he's worth it. He's the best of the Alabama receivers. Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs have taken a back seat since the beginning of the season to Devontae Smith. Let's ride it out. 
Their backup's going to have a full length of uh, practice with Devontae Smith. What do you think? Oh, I don't know, Woj. This is a bit of a risk. I know these guys have been playing great, but we haven't seen Mac Jones in much action outside of last week's game in Tennessee. This could be tough. Mac Jones, 6,900 on DraftKings, could be an interesting tournament play. We don't know what he looks like. Is he going to be throwing the ball? Is he going to be running the ball? Are they going to run the ball with Najee Harris? Are they going to try to keep the ball out of Mac Jones' hands and just let him be a game manager? I know Devontae Smith has been playing really, really great. He's been doing some amazing things on the field. But I don't know that Mac Jones has got the same kind of burst and energy that we see from Tua Tungavailoa. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with this game. All right. Well, I'm interested to see what you think about my next guy then. Brandon Ioka, another wide receiver. He's from Arizona State oh, at 5,700. Oh. He's UCLA. Listen, they're playing UCLA. UCLA gives up 312.4 passing yards a game. Huge upside in this guy. He's played bad versus bad defenses. I think that's more about their quarterback, Jaden Daniels, kind of getting bogged down just because of defensive lines, just overpowering the offensive line of Arizona State. But listen, they're going to play UCLA. They don't have a very good defense. I think if Jaden Daniels has some time, Ayuka has one of those big games like he's had, like one of those 45-point games. I think value in this pick is huge and huge upside, especially in a tournament pick. You know, I like that a lot, Woj. Brandon Ayuk, he's been on my fantasy team in the Scrapbook Classic since the draft. He's had some big games. Like you said, it's all about that offensive line. If they can protect Daniels, give him time in the pocket, Brandon Ayuk is a big play guy. We could see some big plays develop, but they need time to let those routes develop. So it's a, it's a bit of a risk. UCLA is kind of hot and cold with their defense, but, yeah, I like it a lot. I'm hoping that Brandon Ayuk has a big game for me this week. I'm hoping he has a big one for me too. Uh, speaking of big games, I pushed last week. Not so exciting. Um, in the Wojen Wall pick em, I had Wake Forest minus two, and they won by two. Man, those uh, those odds makers are good, aren't they, Wall? They're real good, Woj. We had our first push of the season, but it was, it was bound to happen for the reason you just said. Odds makers know what they're doing. That's why they get paid to do it. Uh, who'd you have last week, Wall? I had Oregon minus three. Easy win, Woj. Chalk it up. Oh, e- easy win. They won by five. It's uh, not that easy. You know what? We don't have to worry about that right now. I'm kind of interested, since we have Story this week, what his pick is going to be for the week. Well, I like the Woj Wall pick him. It's my favorite segment of the podcast. Listen, all you fans of the podcast out there, hit it hard. Oklahoma's, Oklahoma, Kansas State, over 57 and a half. I like it as much as up to over 60. The Sooners have hit the over in 13 of the last 20 games overall and in five straight trips to Kansas State. The Wildcats, they've been led by their defense this season, but are they going to be able to slow down Jalen Hurts, Charleston Rambo, CeeDee Lamb? Not so sure. The Wildcats have also hit the over in four of their last five games overall and seven of their last eight at home. I like the over in this game. Hit it and hit it hard. And if you're feeling punchy, maybe put a little parlay. Oklahoma minus 23 and a half and over 57 and a half. That's my pick'em for the Woj versus Wall pick'em. Little spicy parlay there. I kind of like it. Yeah, everybody's listening to this. How much are you putting down on this? Should I put a house? You know what? Like earlier in the season, let's go three mortgages on this one. Holy <laughs> shit! Are, 
We should be. This is the story wins millions episode right here for sure. That's a lot. All right, Wall. What do you What do you got going into this week? You're You're five and three, by the way. I'm three, four, and one with the push. What uh, What are you taking to uh, continue your lead and dominance? Well, I'm gonna keep it simple, Woj. I already spoke about it. Texas minus one. I think Ellinger figures out a way to get this game won. I don't think it's gonna be by just one, but if it is, hey, I'll take my push and that'll be fine. Hey, I don't think my game's going to be by just one either, and I think uh, Jim Hardball has hard days coming. But I'm taking Notre Dame minus one. They've been plus, minus, plus, minus, plus, minus one for for the last day and a half now. So it is a true pick game. But I think Notre Dame wins by a touchdown. I like Notre Dame minus one, and they'll have some leeway there, especially against the Michigan offense that has struggled to do really anything so far Go this blue. season. Go Blue. I like, you know, I like both of those picks. Maybe I'll uh, take a little stroll over to the Caesar Sportbook, put a little four-way, a little action on a four-way parlay, see what happens. <laughs> well, now we're getting a little crazy. Now we're talking four more. He needs to listen to the rundown more often, Woj. His odds are not good at winning that. <laughs> hey, thanks, Story, for coming along in the ride for this week's episode. Appreciate it. Uh, would love to have you back again at some time. Yeah, it's been a blast, gentlemen. Really enjoyed it. I look forward to an amazing slate of games this Saturday. Let's uh, let's all hope for wins in the Scrapbook Classic in our fantasy leagues. And if you're playing daily, let's hope you take home some cash. Thanks again, Wojen Wall. Let's do it again soon. Thanks for listening, everyone. You can catch us on Twitter at WWCFB. Our Instagram's college underscore football underscore rundown. Our website, which you can get all our podcasts and information and contact me and Kyle on, is collegefootballrundown.com. Thanks again for listening, everybody. I'm Woj. I'm Walt. And this was the College Football Rundown. We're out. <laughs>